Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, one of the many great shows on the Athletic Podcast Network. My name is Nick Cosmider, and I am joined by my colleague Kendra Andrews. On today's show, we're going to talk about the news being pretty close to official now on Calvin Booth becoming the new GM of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Coach Michael Malone talked to the media yesterday. We'll uh, talk about what we learned from that conversation with him. And then we want to get into the results of a fan survey that we put out. Had almost a thousand of you respond. Great feedback um, and some really interesting, I think, uh, perspective uh, about what fans think about this franchise right now. Uh, but before we get all into all of that, again, just want to say thank you to you guys. I mean, continuing to support our work both here on this podcast, our written content at The Athletic. Um, we appreciate all of you. We don't we don't take any any visits that you make, any content choice that you make for granted. Um, and, and we're just working as hard as we can to continue to provide you guys with um, great content, you know, before sports can finally get back and get rolling again. Uh, if you're not a subscriber for us, head to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline to get a great low cost deal on a subscription sign up. Now you never know when these deals will end. Um, Kendra, you know, the, the thing I kind of wanted to start with was, um, you know, we're a couple days removed now from the debut of, um, of the last dance. And it was yes. like, it just felt to me like, uh, I, I've, I've never seen something like a documentary being something that people had such, uh, <laughs> anticipation for. What was what was your what was your thoughts when you're watching it just like everybody else? What what was the I thing mean, that stood out to you? I mean, the, the I I didn't get to live through the Jordan era of basketball. Like you know, the end of his career was when yeah, were I you was even born when he I, was. Hey, I was you know four years old when I think he like retired. So, <laughs> the, like, so you know the, the third time, or maybe a, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but so you know everything everything that I've ever watched of Jordan is highlights you know it's it's youtube it's sports center it's uh, nba vault stuff so just to be able to i mean it's not like i'm watching an actual game of him no but just to kind of it's it's like getting a little bit closer to that time that i didn't actually get to experience to hear these people talk about it and to hear him talk about other people that was part of that bulls team and just you know the michael jordan era it was i mean it was awesome and like you mentioned i mean I, I don't think there was one sports fan who was not watching that. It like clenched, quenched, clenched the thirst of needing some form of, you know, sports that we haven't seen before. So thank you ESPN for moving the air date up to April instead of the summer when it was supposed to originally air. Yeah. The, the first, like first two or three scenes or the first scene, uh, I got mad because it was John Paxson hitting the three in the 1993 <laughs> finals against the Suns. And, um, you know, eight-year-old me at the time was uh, was a big Suns fan, big Charles Barkley fan. So, you know, that brought back some hurt. But I, I think the thing that stood out to me first just about the filming of the documentary in general was how it jumped. Um, I, I thought it really weaved back and forth pretty well mm -hmm. because I was – 
I was older. So when Jordan was finishing that second three, Pete was when I kind of was like really getting into the sport a lot um, and, and just really kind of paying close attention. Uh, and you, you couldn't help but be mesmerized by him. I think I fell into the camp of like, I want somebody to knock him off. I want somebody else to beat him. Uh, and, and, and kind of having it from that perspective when I was a kid. Um, but when you go back and watch it, I think it helps you understand just how hard it is to continue to win, win titles. I think we, there's just been as the Warriors, I think, had this had this dynastic run, um, you know, but even they lost twice in the finals. It just shows how incredibly difficult of a task it is, especially when you had all these other factors um, pulling on you. It's it's so damn hard to win one championship and, and to see these guys see what they went through. I, I, I'm just really excited to see the final eight um, just because you get to see, I, I think, a little bit more behind the curtain of just kind of the stuff that you have to deal with it. That's right. even beyond, you know, the court and guys getting older and, and other teams, you know, building their rosters better. Just that, that external competition is, is one very difficult challenge to overcome when you're, when you're making a pursuit like this, but then you have all the inter- internal stuff uh, that, that just makes it that much harder. That, that was kind of my, my biggest takeaway from it. Yeah, it was great. I'm excited. Like you said, for the rest of them. Yeah, it'll give us certainly a, a Sunday tradition to, to hang on to. Um, <laughs> exactly. let's, let's get into let's get into some some Nuggets news. I mean, we've talked about this a couple times now uh, with Arturis Karnaschovas going to the Chicago Bulls to run their front office. Um, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling from, from the very start of this process that Calvin Booth was going to be um, a, a guy that the Nuggets gave strong consideration to. Uh, and, and really, it seems as if they they had kind of moved on that right away. And and Arsham Sharani reporting this week that. Uh, he will become the Nuggets' next GM. I, I know that right now with the hiatus, uh, the Nuggets are kind of waiting to make it official. Uh, when we talked to Michael Malone yesterday, he, he kind of put that caveat out there. It's it's not official yet. Uh, but again, his excitement with with Calvin Booth was that, listen, this is a guy who played major college basketball, was in the league for a long time, played on you know several different teams, um, has has built an AAU program from scratch, uh, went to Ireland and helped help build a basketball team. Um, you know, from scratch there, which I wrote about a couple of years ago, was still one of the, my favorite stories I've written there just because it was such a random occurrence that he went to Ireland with, with Tim Conley just as, as kind of a scouting trip just to kind of shadow him and, and see what, what that aspect of, of that career, career field is. Um, and, and he comes across a kid and his dad who play for this small club in Ireland. And he just, he comes back and he uh, year after year and helps them run camps and build it up. So he, he's just got this this love for the game, um, and he's had all these experiences in the game that I think are, are some of the big reasons why he's been very well respected. Um, you know, you, you've talked to him, Kendra. He's he's also just a guy that he's easy to, to talk to and converse with, and and, and those those kind of interpersonal uh, skills I think go a long way in this profession as well because you spend so much time uh, talking to people. But you know, the challenge in my mind coming right into this is. A, he's joining a he's joining an organization. Or I'm, I'm sorry, he's he's taking a new job within an organization he's already been in since 2017. He's taking a new job in this organization at a time uh, that is so uncertain. So we don't know yet whether they're talking personnel for a playoff matchup or whether they're they're already well into uh, preparing for a draft and free agency. Whether you're working on both of those planes. So I think the biggest challenge for him is that the uncertainty, which is, is a challenge every other uh, front office executive is making. But also this idea to me that, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but the Nuggets, the Nuggets, I think, are, are at a real critical juncture in terms of 
whether they tilt this thing forward and and what that takes, whether that takes another big aggressive swing um, in, in order to to get to that next level. So that that's kind of the, the backdrop of what he's coming into. And again, and then taking over for a guy who had a lot of uh, systems in place with Arturis and, and a lot of just kind of knowledge, institutional knowledge of how this thing has been running here since 2013. Um, those are some of the challenges that I foresee uh, for Calvin. What what, uh, what is just kind of your general your general thought of where this goes for him? Yeah, you know, I think you you brought up a lot of good points with that, and and I think in terms of you know the, for the Nuggets taking the na- that next step, which you're right, we have talked a lot about. He he has an advantage in a sense of since he is an internal hire, he's been there with Arturis and with Tim Connolly. You know, probably I mean I can imagine that they were having those discussions before this season was stopped. So he has that advantage in the sense of he's not just being plopped into this situation where he now has to get caught up on what the Nuggets were thinking beforehand with who they have now, how they, where they want to go, who might have they, you know, been considering targeting. He already knows that stuff. So I think that that's going to be a good thing for him that he doesn't have to catch up in that sense. Um, with that, I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of pull he has with, uh, you know, players around the league. I think we talked about this. I think it was last time when we were discussing Chauncey Billups of, oh, could he be a guy that kind of can sell Denver? Well, obviously Chauncey's not here. So in the meantime, is Calvin Booth going to be that guy who has to sell Denver to, you know, uh, players that they're trying to get? And is he going to be able to do that? Yeah. And I, I think, you mentioned pull in yes with players that's that's one consideration um you know i, I don't know if he'll take the role as the biggest pitch man for the organization right. or the city um maybe he will uh, again we, we really don't know my my curiosity is whether he will have the the pull within the, the front office and and how quickly he's ready to kind of step into that voice because that role needs to be one that that challenges it challenges your own colleagues, challenges, you know, league trends, league conventions. Um, and, and, and sort of, you have to play the contrarian. You have to go into that office each day with a lot of smart people, um, where, where, you know, that you have an org- organizational philosophy that you're trying to follow, but, but also be, be a voice that says, listen, let's come at this and look at it a different way. Or, or maybe let's occasionally, um, you know, try a different, try a few different things or consider a few different options. I thought one of the really interesting things that Michael Malone, and we'll get into a little bit more of, of this conversation here in a second, but one of the really interesting things that Michael Malone said um, yesterday was when he was talking about the continuity of the team. And, and I think somebody asked him whether that is going to be uh, a benefit for them as, as they kind of go through this and then try to eventually get back, whether that continuity will, will help them have chemistry and, and that kind of thing. You know, he said that continuity has been a big part of it for us. Like that's been well documented that the nuggets continue to have brought back a similar roster for each of the last three years. They have coaching front office continuity. Um, obviously Josh Kroenke has been, um, you know, been the president and governor for over a decade now, but he said sometimes, uh, continuity can, can bleed into complacency. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's been something that I think any team that's been, been around together for, for a while, uh, especially one that hasn't quite got to the goals that they have set for themselves. I, I think you do have to guard against that. I, I think this idea that, hey, we all get along really well. Um, obviously, the things that we've done have brought us some success. But how do we challenge that? How do we kind of step out of the comfort zone of what we've always been doing and 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 really look at another way to do things or or even just another way to to bring, I guess, a fresh perspective, whether that's 
you know, again, trying to, to have a process in place that, that allows you to look at the game from a different, different view, whether that's, Hey, let, let's, let's scout harder in this area, or let's, um, you know, let, let's put some more focus into, you know, this conference or that. I, I don't know. I, I haven't been in, in their in their front office, but I just think that that's something that they have to continue to look at. Is hey, how do we uh, just challenge ourselves? And and to mm-hmm. me, Calvin coming in, a guy who has known Tim Conley forever, has been friends with him, has really been mentored by Tim Conley. Um, you know, again, I, I think Arturis was a really good back and forth with Tim. I think they challenged each other uh, a good deal, and, and so that that is going to be uh, another t- a cap task for Calvin. Uh, as he takes over this job. Uh, let's spin forward again. Mentioned this call yesterday, Michael Malone. Talked to him for about 40 minutes. And, you know, look, the, the, the kind of the thing was they had just gotten off a Zoom call with the team, all the players, uh, front office, pretty pretty much everybody in the organization um, to kind of just check in with one another. And, and he says, we've had a few of those calls. Uh, a lot of it's been sometimes smaller, whether it's him and his staff getting on a Zoom call together and, and kind of coming up with projects uh, in terms of whether it's video or talking to players, finding ways that if they do, when and if they do come back, they can kind of hit the ground running. Uh, but also, it's just been about like I think checking in with guys and, and finding finding ways to connect and, and and keep everybody communicative in a time where it's easy to sort of get get isolated. Um, th- that was sort of I, I think the main the main takeaway was just listen, we still don't know. Um, we're we're, we're hearing things from the league that could be possibilities, but right now it's just a matter of continuing to wait. Uh, what was your, I, I guess, as you sat back on that, what was your takeaway from from the, the the time that Michael Malone spoke with the media yesterday? Yeah, I think something really important that he he brought up. Uh, he talked a lot about okay, some guys have gotten Peloton bikes, some guys, uh, a few of them, very few have gyms at home. We're trying to find ways to make sure that they're, you know, staying as active as they can. And then uh, he also brought up, which I know you included in the story that you wrote today, um, about his mountain biking is just also taking care of your mental state, which is obviously such an important thing right now. And almost, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't trump staying uh, ready physically because that's also very, very important, but just making sure that you're taking care of your mental health and how, you know, his, his team and his players are, they're, they're okay. They're spending time with family. They're not, you know, trying not to stress out too much. And I thought that that was kind of just also just a good reminder out, even outside of the basketball realm of obviously there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And I think everyone's trying to figure out their own situation. Um, But just the importance of sometimes you just need to take a step back. If you need to stop what you're doing for a little bit, that's okay. If you need to stop thinking about basketball for a little bit, that's okay. And just make sure that you mentally are, being taken care of yeah and it kind of seemed to me like that was really an emphasis like early on i I remember talking to tim conley a little bit about this too was just like it really was in the in the first kind of weeks after the nba went on hiatus and and really we were starting to get a full understanding of what the coronavirus was and just how deeply it was affecting you know our our state country world um that it wasn't that time really like get connected to your family sort of figure out how you are going to want to get through this and how you're going to want to kind of go about your day-to-day within this. And then we'll kind of come together. We'll, we'll find ways to continue doing our job. And so I, I really do think that they gave, uh, you know, that was really kind of the directive of them of like, find some, find some day-to-day joys in what you're doing, find, find ways to, um, you know, kind of come to peace 
but I think now as as this has sort of started to look, there's still no there's still no answers in sight, right? Like we don't know whether this season's going to happen, whether they're going to play, you know, in a bubble, whatever the case might be. But I I think teams, it seemed to me as if they are starting to kind of allow themselves a little bit more to think of this as a possibility. And so it's like, okay, well, we're going to have, he talked about the, the general idea among players and coaches that they're getting from the league is that they would have about a month to ramp up. And that means starting with probably one-on-one player drills with an assistant coach, like on one basket. And then that can build into, you know, twos on twos or, you know, three on three until they're ultimately running full practices uh, to get themselves back in shape. So that that's kind of where the focus is now. I, I thought it was interesting that he said, you know, one of the things that we've done is gotten the team on, um, you know, they've, they've figured out ways to kind of run, run some film sessions through zoom and say, yeah. Hey, who knows what, who knows this play call, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, and, and how, and I know you were, you were talking to, you were talking, you talked to Troy Daniels, uh, mm-hmm. the newest nugget, just about <laughs> that part of that part of the thing is that was kind of wild to me too. Is like, does that really leave you that fast of these, you know, kind right. of these play calls and just running through, running through them? Um, you know, and that's all the part of this is like keeping, keeping the mind sharp. My thought is that that, that stuff will just kind of come back, um, you know, once, once they start, but it was interesting to me to say like, yeah, that that's, I guess, a way for them to try to make sure people at least still have some of their, you know, some of their focus on what they do specifically. Yeah. I mean, also, it'll be interesting too, with obviously people, if you don't have a basketball court at home, you're not shooting and Malone meant, you know, he made sure to point out that public, like public parks have taken their hoops down and, so I, I'm interested to see once they get back in the gym, what are some of these guys' shots going to be looking like? Yeah, they should take the backboards down and just leave the leave the rims <laughs> up. Um, you know, just just to get to get guys get guys better. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I um I, I think that's all going to just come back. I, mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, and, it, and look, it's going to be if they, if they play, it's it's going to be kind of like cover your eyes basketball. I, I really think right. it's going to be, it's going to be rough, which is, is funny when you consider the stakes that would, would theoretically be <laughs> happening, right? Whether they play another couple of weeks of regular season, if they just jump into the playoffs, whatever the case might be, um, it's, it's going to be high stakes all around when, when they do play. And, and I, I think the prevailing wisdom is that it will be played uh, without fans. And so that just adds another odd element that, that Michael Malone touched on um, yesterday as well, but it, it's, it's, again, it's a situation where the hardest part of it for players, it, it, it's, I akin it to like when you're working a job and you're just like, oh man, I got that vacation coming up in, in, in two weeks, right? Like in two weeks, you know, we're, we're getting the family, we're hopping on a plane, we're going to Hawaii. It's going to be amazing. And though th- that, that sort of carrot, that date, that certainty is what kind of keeps you showing up to the office, keeps you productive, keeps you sane, right? Because you have Mm -hmm. this thing in the distance that is like kind of giving you something to strive for. And with players, that is always, you know, Hey, training camp or got to get, got to get up for summer league or Hey, uh, this all-star break is going to be over in two days. I better get my butt to the gym. Like Mm -hmm. those, there's always that thing that you can look at and say, this is what I'm getting prepared for. And so to, to, to train for something, um, you know, even like when I started running last summer, like it was a situation where it's like, okay, I got to run, I got to run in a couple of races. I got to sign up for like a, a, a race so that I'm at least feeling like all this that I'm doing. Yes. It's for my health. It's making me like a healthier, better person, but I also just <laughs> working need, towards something. Yeah. You just needed something that you're, you're striving for. So I empathize totally. with that challenge, um, for, for these guys of like, 
staying sharp, but like, what am I staying sharp for? Right. And that was, um, you know, that, that to me was the, the biggest takeaway. And I, Malone's mentioned that now a couple different times when he's, when he's spoken in various capacities of like, that's the challenge that, that they're fighting, but Hey, it's, it's one that obviously the entire league is dealing with. Um, last thing I, I wanted to touch on today, I had a lot of fun putting this together. Um, you know, a couple, uh, several different writers around the athletic ha- have, have done these with fan surveys about the team that they cover. And, um, you know, we had more than 900 of you. So close, close to a thousand people, uh, chimed in on the survey, which was, was awesome feedback, uh, gives us, I think a pretty good representation of, of the Nuggets fan base. Um, and we, we asked, I asked 18 different questions and it ranged from, uh, rating their confidence in, you know, the front office management coaches, um, you know, what, what their overall outlook on the Nuggets is, will they win a championship in the next five years? Um, you know, how many games they watch this season, all, all these, all these kind of things really about the team. Um, my, my most, I think my most interesting part of this was, um, you know, looking at, uh, th- this question about Nikola Jokic and will mm-hmm. he play his entire career in Denver? And yeah. because to me, it's a fascinating question about, any player that's a star in today's NBA, because the league is so, um, it, it has these seismic shifts every summer where guys that you were certain were going to play one place are, are playing somewhere else. And, uh, the, the idea of having a guy stay in one place his entire career has become an increasingly difficult thing to imagine at times. And yet Jokic is this guy that truly seems like a home body. Denver is his home away from home. He he's, He's talked about how he wants to be someone similar to Tim Duncan, who played his entire career in San Antonio, and and the the reaction from from 912 responses was an 82 percent yes, Nikola Jokic is going to play his entire career in Denver. That really surprised me. I, I think that that is um, look. If I had to if I had to guess it one way or the other, I I would lean more likely than not that he does. But I would I would kind of be on that razor's edge just because there's so many. There's so many things that you just can't account for. Um, when does it kick into him that like, you know, play, winning a championship is is all that matters? And is, is he going to reach a time if, if Denver's not getting to that level that he starts thinking about finding a way to do that? Um, you know, all those things are, are those things that come into come into play with him. Uh, I, I found that very curious um, that that fans were that high on the idea that he will play his entire career here. Again, not saying that he won't. I'm just saying there's. <laughs> There's those challenges that are that are in the way of every franchise now of keeping their guys, you know, locked in. You can't sign them to to seven year, eighteen million dollar contracts anymore. <laughs> um, so that that is that's going to be an interesting thing. Baseball, to, yeah. an, an interesting thing to watch. Um, as you kind of scan through the responses uh, of this, what did you? What, what were some of the things that interest you about about fan reaction to things? Well, that was definitely one that uh, caught my eye one uh another one that caught my eye was just um i don't know i don't know exactly why it caught my eye but it was just the re- the um, the reaction to denver's moves at the 2020 trade deadline and how only 1.3 percent of people thought they did a five out of five <laughs> yeah, right. job um and 11.8 thought that they did a four star job on that uh, i just that one kind of stood out to me to see I mean, I know that a lot of I knew at the deadline that a lot of people were kind of confused about what the Nuggets were actually doing um, with all of that. But to actually see the numbers from your responses kind of caught my eye. Yeah. And you know what? I I liked to me that that sort of um, 
that sort of like answer I thought gave a lot of like credibility to to this. And what I mean by that is when you go back up, like toward, one of the first questions I asked was, uh, "What is your overall outlook for the Nuggets' future?" And, and basically, that I just had three choices: you're optimistic, you're pessimistic, or you're unsure. And overwhelmingly, ninety percent of those who responded said they are optimistic about what's going on for the Nuggets. And so. You know, you can look at that and say, well, that's just fans being fans and just thinking that everything is going to go well. But I, but what, what that showed me in subsequent answers is that I think a lot of fans are, you know, we, we see a lot of times we see like this vocal minority on Twitter, I think, right? The people mm-hmm. who really, really have, um, you know, anger or frustration with certain aspects. Um, those voices, I think, tend to echo louder sometimes than people who are saying just, I think we're, I think they're on the right track. It's just, it's not as like a... It, that kind of sentiment is not one that just like uh, gets retweeted a hundred times, right? And yeah. so, but to to have people be that optimistic, um, but also then I I think pretty fairly give a lukewarm response to to a question like that, like you mentioned at the trade deadline, forty five percent. The largest answer was forty five percent of people gave it a three out of five, right? So mm-hmm. kind of a saying like, yeah, okay, like we we, we yeah. sort of see what you're doing. You're trying to clear some roster space. Um, trying to give Michael Porter Jr. a bigger role, but at the same time saying, look, this is a team that at the very beginning of the year said, why not us? Why can't we go win a championship this year? And then the trade deadline did not exactly reflect the team that was going for it right then and there. Now, I think what the Nuggets said publicly at the beginning of the year versus what they think their true window is, um, is two different things. I think this is Mm -hmm. an organization that that still saw this year as, as being a little early to have, have a thought of, of really going to get it for a championship. Um, and, and so I, I think, I think when you, when the trade deadline happened, that kind of gave a little bit more of a clear, uh, picture into what they thought their timeline was. Um, but I, 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 I'm with you. I thought that was, that was an interesting thing. Another one was about, uh, Jamal Murray and whether mm-hmm. he will be, yeah. uh, become an all-star during the duration of his max contract, which kicks in next year. And this was a little closer to the 50-50 line. 61% of people said, yes, he will become an all-star. Um, about 39% of people said, uh, no, I, d- I don't see it happening. And, um, you know, again, I wonder how much of the no's, which four out of every 10 said no, um, is that because of how difficult mm-hmm. the lineup is in the Western Conference of guards every single year, or is that just because – Fans have a little bit of worry as to whether Murray is that is that guy that 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 major contract guy, right? And it could also you know even be thought of as could he even become a All Star caliber player? Because like you mentioned in your response, obviously the West has a ton of you know really talented guards who have been All Stars and probably will continue to be All Stars for the next several years. Um, so I'm interested to see if the people if the 38 point uh, percent of people who said no don't even see him as that all-star caliber player yeah. who maybe no, just kind of missed it it's a really good point it's a really good point of like can he is he even in because to this point this he's he's right now in his fourth season he's not been in that conversation yet right um and and i mean not even really on the periphery of the conversation i think there were some folks last year given that the the nuggets were number two in the west um at the uh, at the All Star break and, and had this great turnaround season that they deserve two All Stars and, and his name got mentioned for that reason, but I don't think he has really been in that conversation yet. And you're right, he's if if it's one thing if he's going to not get selected because 
look, people are going to vote for Steph Curry. They're going to vote for Damian mm-hmm. Lillard. They're going to vote for Russell Westbrook. But if he's not going to get – if he's not even going to really get in that conversation because his game is not warranting it, then that's going to be, I, I, I think, a real uh, Yeah, a real that's issue when it becomes more concerning, absolutely. And these things are always – I mean, signing a player of that age, um, that kind of – that early in his trajectory – this was always going to be a gamble. Now it's a gamble that the Nuggets felt they had to take. And and the reasons for that you can see are like, listen, if he comes up as a restricted free agent, um, we're obviously signing him, right? Because what's the alternative? You you mm-hmm. let you let him walk as a restricted free agent or you let him sign another offer sheet and he goes, uh, you get nothing back and you don't clear enough cap space to go after um, you know, a similar max player, and there's not really even any of those players out there in this free agency. So that starts there. You have you have to bring him back this year, and then if you just bring him back as a restricted free agent, you didn't give him the contract ahead of time. Now you're playing this dance of like, you know, is there a rift between player and organization? You saw it with Gordon Hayward uh, in Utah, where um, you know they let him reach restricted free agency uh, before bringing him back, and, and I, I think that sowed some discord there that ultimately sent him to Boston. Those are the things that you have to have to consider. Um, and, and ultimately, I think they, they had gone down for enough, farther, far enough down the Jamal Murray road to say, listen, this is just where we are. This is we're going to ride between these two players. We're going to hope to get some some young talent um, and, and kind of hit a home run on it. That's that's what they're hoping for with Michael Porter Jr. Um, mm-hmm. That's what they're going to potentially continue to hope for if they if they use a draft pick uh, this this summer to, to take it, to take a guy with their selection and and hope that he can can grow into a player in a year or two. Uh, and again, making, you know, making smart free agency signings, making, making heady trades. Those are the things that they say they're going to have to piece around it. But uh, it just so much hinges on, on what Jamal Murray does. And I think that answer um, demonstrated, demonstrated that the last thing that I, I, this stood out to me, um, I put an other category in the, which nuggets should be have his Jersey retired next. Chauncey Billups was the, <laughs> was the winner on that 50% uh, thinks that he should be the guy, although he had three different numbers, so they'd have to decide which one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you got a J.R. Smith vote for for retired player. Um, there you go. <laughs> why not, right? Like, why not? Retired okay. there next to a can of soup and, and going to be all good. I just put Campbell's on the front of the jersey. Um, so yeah, but it, it was fun. Again, we like, stuff like that, it really... It really does. Again, we don't take it for granted. Almost a thousand of you filled, t- took time to fill this survey out. Um, it was a lot of fun, and um, you know we're going to continue to have uh, great stuff coming up. I know, I know you've got a piece, Kendra, coming up on Michael Porter Jr. soon. So be sure to go to theathletic.com/nuggets, bookmark that page because we are going to continue to have uh, great content coming at you each and every week. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. 